The face of Latina professionals propels women of color to reach their highest potential through education, community, and self-development. Join us as we come together to provide a platform for Latina voices to connect and be heard on the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. Today, I'm joined by Rebecca Bustos. Rebecca, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Oh, it is all our honor. This is amazing that we're finally getting a chance to do this and talk about all things Latina, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Which is amazing. Being Latina is always amazing. It is, right? And and I think this is something that hasn't really been talked about, and you know, we'll get into all that. But I guess before we do, um, it, you know, it's such a, a new thing, right? Latina, Latino, Latinx, um, when you're not from this country. It's just ironic, right? That mm. that we only identify with that word here uh, in the United States. But for you, how do you identify with being Latina? Where does your story begin? Tell us about your parents. Well, for me, I mean, being Latina is I. I my parents are Mexican, okay. you know, so Mexican American. I was born and raised here in Chicago. Um, raised in Logan Square, and a lot of my time I spent in Humboldt Park as well. Mm. So. It's, you know, it's pretty interesting when it comes down to being Latina because, I mean, to me, when I think about being Latina is what growing up, you know, growing up with my, in my household, with my mom, with my grandmother, you know, when she would come over and visit, it would be, you know, serving your family. You know, being Latina is being there for your family, being the, the you know, the, the pillar of the family. And being Latina for me is being someone that's powerful as well because you're holding it down for your family. That's amazing. I love that philosophy. <laughs> that's a powerful <laughs> philosophy. And you're not just the only Latina in your family. You're one of three Latinas. And your dad was uh, surrounded by nothing but Latinas, right? So no, no boys in the family. <laughs> no <your> boys. <laughs> no boys. I'm the oldest of the three. Okay. So, yeah, so it was three of us following mom, you know, following what mom was doing. And yeah. then, you know, me and my sisters, all we knew was basically, you know, we have to be there for the family. We have to serve our husband. We have to make right. sure that our kids are taken care of. We have to make sure that our household is taken care of. Yeah. We have to be the one to be supportive because at the end of the day being Latina in our my in, in my household was waiting for the man to come in and provide for the household interesting interesting now you were surrounded by I mean Humble Park right I mean it's very predominantly Latino with um, Puerto Rican being I guess it's I mean, a little Puerto Rico basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I was actually born in Humble Park so oh, uh, nice. yeah, we, you know our, our connection runs deep but what was it like in that perspective? Because as much as I was uh, born and raised a part of my life here, you know, I, I left and was surrounded by, I mean, just being blunt, is white people, right? I was the, the only Mexican, really, or maybe <laughs> one other one. And just just because you're Mexican doesn't mean you necessarily identify with them, right? But what was it like for you growing up? Did you automatically just know you're Latina? I mean, I know you're new or Mexican, right? Because that's something mm-hmm. that you can't escape. Like, you get told that, that's something, a point of pride. But that Latina part, to see other kids, whether they be Puerto Rican or, you know, Central American, South American that, that relate to that word, when did that become synonymous with culture here to you? Like, I belong more to this group of Latinos because we're from Chicago and we, we, we speak Spanish and come from similar backgrounds versus just being Mexican as, as a nationality. When did you become aware of that, 
I guess, community that you were surrounded by? I guess I want to say when I was in grammar school, Okay. I knew I was Latina because I was surrounded by nothing by Latinos, yeah. you know, and everybody identified themselves as Mexican, Puerto Rican, or, yeah, it was ba- basically Mexican or Puerto Rican. For because, sure. you know, I, the school that I went to, public school that I went to was all, his, it was predominantly Mexican and Puerto Rican. It was all Hispanic. So I knew that I was a Latina or I categorized myself or people would categorize me as a Latina because I had Mexican parents. Mm. You know, other than that, I mean, I knew I was Latina because I had my Mexican roots and I knew that I was here in the United States. I was born as a Mexican American. And that's when I realized that I'm like, okay, I'm Latina because my parents were born in Mexico. I was raised as a Mexican, you know, with Mexican values, Mexican um, culture, the Mexican culture and beliefs and whatnot. So I realized it when I started speaking to my classmates, my friends back in school, and I knew that I was categorized as that Latina. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I, I was actually very surprised, um, I, mean, I don't know why I would be, but I mean, I was that Latinas are now the most educated group of people uh, in the United States. So they're graduating at the highest rates. They're um, getting, you know, postgraduate degrees at the highest rates. Um, and it's, it's, it's <laughs> astonishing to me, right? Because on the other end of it, I think we, you know, we have a lot to overcome in terms of the way we grew up, right? This machismo kind of mm-hmm. dominant uh, male <laughs> figure in the house. And, you know, women really didn't have much to say or weren't involved yeah. in decision makings or whatever else. But now it seems that a lot of this changing as I'm hearing it, you know, doesn't seem like at any point you were deterred from any of those goals because you're very accomplished, you know, edu- you know, in, in education, but also in your career. That, you know, for you, did you ever feel that being Latino put you at a disadvantage? Personally, I never thought about it. But once I started, you know, involving myself with other communities, once I went off to high school, I went to Lane Tech, so it was, you know diverse you know so I that's when I started you know interacting with you know what they call white people and the Caucasian you know but that was your first experience though that was my first experience because I went to a public school that was predominantly Hispanic so all I surrounded myself was with Puerto Ricans Mexicans you know other than that when I went to, once I went off to high school, I noticed the different cultures, and I noticed that there was, you know, white people and African American and whatnot. So that's when I realized that I'm like, oh, I am Latina, you know, I am Mexican American because I wasn't. I did notice a difference, you know, with my teachers and everything. You know, they expected more of you know, the Caucasian and not the Hispanic. And I did notice that. So I did experience some sort of, I guess you want to say, discrimination in high school already because when I would get my result, when I when I would get my, my scores in school, my grades and whatnot, I was always a straight-A student. I was always A's and B's. And my teachers would always seem shocked. Wow. And you felt that, I'm sure. I did. 
and it was weird. And that's when I started realizing it. And I started kind of looking because I started, you know, noticing my surroundings. And I started noticing that teachers weren't, they were not astounded when they, when the white kids right, would right. get the good grades. Right. But when I would get the good grades, it would be like, they would make it a big deal. So I was, I started noticing like, okay, so why am I different? Because right, I'm right. Latina, so they expect less of me. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, right? But I think that is that is the case. And yeah. It's almost like a sense of charity when, uh, you know, you help someone like that. You're like, oh, you know, poor this person. It's like, no, that's not the case. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because, you know, I, coming from a household, you know, coming from, you know, a household where it's, you know, Mexican parents that migrated into the country and, you know, they migrated into the country to give their children a better life or to, you know, plan a better life for their children, you know, because I was born here. They, you know, my mom was not pregnant when she, you know, when she migrated here. But the fact that I I felt some sort of um, difference and I felt some sort of like, when my teachers would see my grades and I, they would literally, I still remember and vividly, they would pass out my grade right after or before, you know, a white kid, for example. And they would say, oh, Rebecca, you had a great, um, you had an A or you, you scored really high. And I would always question myself, like, why, why is it a big deal? The kid in front of me or the kid behind me the scored the same yeah. or higher, but why or lower? But why are you making it a big deal with me? Yeah, you know, it's like it was always ex- it, it was always expected. I was always expected less. I guess they expected less of me. Sure, sure. Now, and and, and the reason I like it's, it's so interesting for me to hear it is just because I went through the opposite, right? Like I think growing up, I I never fit in because I looked white. And mm. then, you know, on one end, I wanted to fit in with uh, my my own, right? Like, I wanted to be excited. Like, oh, you're I'm Mexican, so, you know, say I'm Mexican. Don't tell me I'm something I'm not kind of thing, right? Um, but it almost sounds like to you that like, it was just a different experience where on one end, you, you grew up surrounded by Latinos, right? And I actually heard you say you, you, you didn't say Latinos. And I was going to ask you about that because I don't remember when I first heard Latinos, but growing up, it was always Hispanic, like being Hispanic, right? Yeah. That... Latino wasn't a thing you put down like on a checkbox anywhere, but it was always Hispanic. And yeah. Hispanic, you know, were you island Pacific or were you Hispanic, like indigenous or white? And it was always those things of being categorized that I didn't like. But for you, it seems like you you kind of became who you were. And then after that, experienced the world from that perspective of like, oh, I came from this and I'm different now, right? And it didn't, I mean, you are where you are and you're accomplished. You, have, you, know, you, you double majored, you have a, a degree in journalism and human resources, right? <laughs> None of those things need to stop you, but what, what, and it's not like that for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, like in other cultures, uh, education is really important. Not yeah. to say that some people in our own culture don't value that. We have very educated people, you know, like in Mexico, if my family's very educated, but those who come here seem to come here for work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about your parents, mine didn't graduate beyond even a high school degree. So what was it that for you was so different that you wanted to succeed in that way that maybe... You know, traditionally, or you know, I guess just ma- kind of matter of fact, I never saw Latinos, or especially Mexicans like me. Like I didn't go to college, so mm-hmm. well, how, what what did you possess that was so different from others that you were able to succeed in that? Well, like 
like you just mentioned, my parents, the same. You know, my father didn't, you know, he, he only did third grade. And that's yeah. it. You know, my mother, she graduated from from grammar school. And that's it. You know, she was able to um, graduate from there. She um, didn't continue on because, you know, the you know financial situation For on sure. her end. You know, so they both, you know, ended up meeting and they came to the States for a better life. They wanted... You know, they wanted to create a, a better life for themselves, and they knew they wanted children. They knew they wanted to give their children a better life than what they had, a better opportunity. So growing up, my parents were all about education. You know, they my father always told me, you don't have to pay me a dime as long as you keep going to school. If you go to, you know, keep going to high school, graduate from high school, go to college, and you can stay in my house as long as you pursue your degree, you know, you get a career. That's amazing. And I feel like, you know, they were living their, you know, they were living their life through me. At least their American dream, no? Yeah. Like yeah. That, that's got to be part of it. Yeah, because, you know, it's amazing because, you know, my parents, and, and I cherish them so much because my parents came and they wanted to build a better life for themselves. You know, they came from a small town in Mexico. You know, we're from Guerrero. Tasco Guerrero, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a small, a very small city, the Silver City, you know, I love yeah. it over there. I don't <laughs> know if you've the been there, city, but... Right? Yeah. <laughs> I've been to Guerrero, but not Tasco, yeah. Tasco Guerrero is a Silver City, so they, you know, they came from there, and, you know, they came, they didn't come with zero dollars, you know, zero... With no money. Currency, yeah. you know, but they did come with some money, but it wasn't enough, you know, compared sure. to the American dollars, you know, it was right. nothing, right, right. you know, but they came with that mentality that they wanted to, you know, to build uh, a better life for themselves <laughs> and for their, you know, for their families, you know, for their future children. Yep. Then once I came around, all they instilled was education, you know, wow. and and I realized it as I got older because then, you know, it, it I put one, you know, two and two together. My father, after third grade, he was done. You know, it wasn't for him. You know, he, he wasn't, you know, he didn't have parents that pushed him, you know, to keep going, you know. So he stopped, you know, and he, all he did after, after third grade was work, work for his money. That's all he knew to do. And my mother, she loved the education, you know, like she always tells me, if I had that financial support, if I had money, I would have been something in this world because I always loved school. I wanted to continue school, but I couldn't because my mother, her, you know, my grandmother was a single mom of five kids, you know, and she was raising all of them all on her own. So she didn't have the finances wow. to, you know, to be able to you know, support them, you know, with, you know, with school, going to high school, going to college. Yeah, you know, so my mom was basically forced, you know, to grow up quickly and to just, you know, work. Absolutely. That seemed to be such a, I mean, it's not not just a Mexican, Latino. I mean, it's it's a human condition of, uh, of other cultures that, you know, working hard defines who we are as people, mm-hmm. right? And that it isn't what it leads to, it's simply working hard, right? And I've learned to, as much as that is a great quality, like work hard, I don't wanna work hard in vain, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and I wanna work hard and it lead to big results, right? If I put in the big effort, I wanna see big results kind of right. thing, right? Did you ever see that or have that kind of realization where maybe being Latino, or I mean Latina for, for you that, um, 
it's almost like we maybe want a little less than others and and that we have to force ourselves to dream big not necessarily for us because you know you're you were a young mom too right and then you got married Mm -hmm. you you went through your you know um through your trials and tribulations of life that i'm sure we'll get into a little bit but (laughs) the, the idea of being someone for your kids too that if our parents overcame so much you know, what's our overcoming? What do we have to do? And for me, I think it's learning away from, I don't want to call it a poverty mindset, though I believe that. Mm-hmm. It is this sense of we're entitled to more. And yet we have this work ethic and everything else that kind of drives us. But on the other side of it, sometimes it's not leading to anything. Where did you see, did you ever see any of that? Did you experience it? Did you in your own home? And, and if you did, you know, what did you do to kind of overcome that or, 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 or try to overcome that? Just just knowing my parents' history, I knew that I needed to be more. Mm. You know, mm. so being less was never an option for me. That's awesome. You know, it was never an option because first of all, I I knew deep in my heart after high no, ever since high school, I knew that I wanted to make my parents proud. And I wanted I wanted them to feel like them coming into the States was a hundred and fifty percent worth it because they were able to give their children what they never had. Yeah. So for me succeeding and for me, you know, pushing myself into finishing school and to graduating and everything was basically my drive. You know, um, me seeing my parents and knowing their 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 story, I knew that I wanted to make them proud and mm. I wanted to be that you know, I wanted to be that child that gave them that satisfaction and that happiness because I wanted them to feel proud that, you know what, coming to the States and leaving my leaving my family, leaving my country, leaving what I know was worth it because my child, I was able to see my child become successful, become someone in this life, you know? And I'm not saying that I'm like this big person because I'm not, you know, but you are. (laughs) Thank you. You (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. But you know, I, I, that's, that was my motivation, you know, through high school and then going off to college. I just thought about my parents. I, I just said to myself, like, I want to give them that reason for them to know that them sacrificing everything that they had to sacrifice was worth it because they were able to see their child get that degree that they never were able to have, especially my mother. Mm. And it's crazy because my mother, before me knowing her story, like, you know, in detail, my mother always dreamed of having a degree in business administration. Wow. She always wanted to have that. And I never knew this until afterwards. Until like you got your degree kind of thing? Or until I, I was in high school. Oh, I see, I see. And then that's when, you know, she, she told me her story. Like, you know, I wanted to be and you know, yo quería administrar empresas. I wanted, you know, be, yeah. be business administration, you know. So when, you know, when she told me that, I was like, okay, you know, I just, you know, as a teenager, you just hear your parents and you're like, okay, you know, and, and, and you know, I've always had that respect for my parents, you know, as being Latino, it's like, you know, you humble yourself mm-hmm. and you, you know, you have that love for your parents. But then once I graduated and I, you know, I, I wanted to find myself and I wanted to know exactly what it is that I wanted to do. I'm like, you know what, I am going to um, give them that that satisfaction and you know a reason for them to feel proud and now 
that I got my degree in human resources and business administration, I I tell my mother all the time, I you know you're living through me. Oh, that's amazing. That is honestly amazing. And just knowing your story, like, and it's so beautiful because. I'm sure it wasn't easy. You didn't have the traditional route, right? Like you didn't go through all four years just kind of like going away to school, focusing on your studies. <laughs> no. You you became a mom very young, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and that was part of, am I correct that during that time that you were getting your degree, like you, you had your child before, your daughter before uh, you, you finished your degree, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I had my, my daughter, I was 21. Yeah. When I had my daughter, I was, you know, I apprenticed at 20. You know, I was married at 20. Right. You know, then we planned a child. You were just living fast and you're living like, <laughs> I want to I wanna grow up, right? <laughs> you know, and, you know, life happens, right? Happens. And you kind of like, you know, at that age, you kind of forget about everything. And, you know, you fall in love. Oh, trust me, I know. You know, I you know fall all too well. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my daughter and then, you know, I... I was I was really into the medical field at first. You know, I wanted to be a pediatrician. Oh wow. You know, I was all about the kids and shortly after, you know, I you know, I started going to school. I went to Robert Morris. Okay. You know, and I started as a medical assistant. So when I went to Robert Morris, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get my medical assistant degree, you know, I'm gonna get my associates and um that's gonna be my stepping stool, you know, to move on so sure. I can become a pediatrician. But shortly after I got hit with the financial aspect of it, right? And I realized that <laughs> I couldn't keep going because I couldn't afford it. Mm. You know, so um, but then I'm a, a big believer that everything happens for a reason as 100%, 100%. well. 100%, 100%. <laughs> but it didn't stop you. And that's the thing I'm so impressed by because a lot of people would have been in that position like, well, you know, I got this thing to do. And, and, and I, I don't see it as like, oh, I got to take care of this baby as much as I see it, you know, a, a fear motivated decision to quit something that is going to better their life for that, you know, for the, for the mom, for whoever's facing a challenge, but also for the person that they're now responsible for, right? And for you, I mean, look, look, you made obviously the right decision. Look at your career just, I mean, just showing up. And it, I'm, I'm so proud to see you as Thank Latina, you. you know, as someone who's Mexican and shares a very similar story because, you know, I think one of the things we talked about, and it's difficult for me to understand, given that I want to promote our community, want to, I don't want to say empower, but, you know, put on a pedestal that we come from powerful women, right? I don't care if you're Latino. You have a Latina mom, you yeah. know, or, or you know, maybe not. Maybe you have a Latino dad and you're half, right? Whatever. But, right. but like the idea of this for me is I came from this Latina woman who I believe is a strong woman and I see her that way and I want her to see herself that way. But I think that's one of the most difficult things I've had to overcome is realizing that for whatever reasons, I mean, maybe it's the men in our culture, maybe it's just the way society is, maybe it's because of language, whatever, that there's not that confidence that I see that you have, right? Um, and I, I mean, as a testament, you're the first person to show up to the podcast, right? Like, <laughs> Thank everyone, you. every other one, you know, groups of people. But what advice would you give um, to other Latinas or Latinos, right, that are listening who maybe have that sense of I'm not worthy or my, my story is not worth sharing or who am I or, you know, I haven't succeeded or success is not in the cars. I mean, what, you know, what advice do you give to, to others that, that, maybe don't share that similar approach that you had in life that, that got you to where to, you, that got you to where you're at today. I would say go for it. <laughs> I would always say that. Go for it because you are worth it. Your story is a hundred times worth more than you think. 
you will always inspire someone else. Always. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter what life you had. It doesn't matter what routes you took. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. And it does. It, it really doesn't. Because at the end of the day, your story will inspire someone else. So even if you think that you're not worthy enough, you are. You're worthy of it all. Because what you did, someone else is craving it. And someone else is wanting that. So get on that mic and share your story because you will inspire. You may not inspire millions, but as long as you inspire that one person, that's all that matters because you will change someone's life. That's incredible. I mean, just absolutely <laughs> moving. And I couldn't agree with you more. You're absolutely right. And if you're listening and you need a little more encouragement or you simply just want to reach out to Rebecca, I would encourage you to do so. There's a form below where you can contact her directly. But you know, on that note, I would just say thank you so much for being you on one end, you know, for, for really just one beautiful advice and, and for having the courage to, to be vulnerable to share your story. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you. And I'm so honored to be here. And you're doing great things. And I just hope that everybody can appreciate this opportunity. This is an incredible opportunity. You're doing so much for the community, for the Latino community because we do not praise ourselves as much as we should. And we should, because we are so powerful and we have come such a long way that we need, we need to give each other that credit. I love it and thank you for the kind words. And like I said, just a lot of wisdom coming for you. So thank you and can't wait for the next one. Thank you. Thank you.